I got to tell you, because we haven't heard from Art in a couple of years. I mean, I get to hear from Art more than that because we have chats now and then. He is one of these guys that's so filled up with, with yummy, yummy, delicious stuff. And, you, and here's the thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like dreamy, but the dream is more real than what we think is real. Honestly. So I, all I'm telling you ahead of time is, is open up your, your spirit and let, let your spirit take this in. Uh, wh- one quick story. I'll make it this the really ver- short version that Art told me when he was young. I, I might butcher this, but, but when he was young and, and in, in, in the family car with his dad and others, uh, they, went, they were going someplace, and the glory of God came and filled their car up like to where they couldn't see, you know. It was all the glory cloud, and, and they were translated. Um, you know, that means going from one place to another without the time it would take to get there. Like, he grew up with those kinds of experiences. And that'll do something to you. That, that changes your perspective of what's real. So with that, would you please welcome and honor Art Fuller. tonight I'm still there it's it's amazing to be part of this body um, it's amazing to have the pastor that we have it's amazing to have a man who just will not stop uh, telling the truth until you get it. It took me two years to believe the truth that he was preaching because I came from a place of where my uh, my trust had gone to a place where it was locked up in a a safe (laughs) safe place where I wouldn't let it out anymore and um, because of uh, I was raised as a minister's kid and of course you have people who claim to know Jesus who you believe what they're saying and yet they're charlatans The, the life that they're claiming to have isn't real. They're con artists, so it's really difficult. It was incredibly difficult for me because my trust was shut down. I simply didn't have it anymore. And uh, by the grace of God and a man of integrity who refused uh, not to be transparent in front of me who is
is Pastor Brandt. Uh, I was able to walk free from that place of finally being able to trust one more time. To believe the truth, to experience the truth. Uh, because I wasn't being shut down. Because there was still that spark of hope that there are people who can really be real, who can really be honest, and who can really be truthful about how they've struggled and what the real feelings are. And they're not hiding behind anything. They're not, they don't have a facade. They're genuine, true, real people. And they tell you what their pain is. And they tell you what their hurts are. And they, ex they experience disappointments. And they know the difficulties of life. And they're simply real. They're real, honest people. That was so freeing to me. That was such a deep, refreshing breath of fresh air. And I just am so honored to be part of Blazing Fire because I have personally experienced the power of the transformation of the love of God in ways that are profoundly real. And I have come to understand the love of God. That eclipses anything. I could ever know or hope to know. His passion for us is absolutely stunning. His plan for us is beyond amazing. And I realize that he has things for us that far eclipse our view that we have right now. Our ideas about what we understand about ministry, our ideas about what we understand about his healing power Everything that can be a topic of discussion about who God is and what he wants to do is incredibly small in our sight because we haven't come up to the place of really understanding who he is 
and what he wants to do and accomplish in our lives. And so this is my message. My message is a message about where he wants you to be. We heard this amazing music about the lion roaring. We are held back by very small and simple things that God wants to set us free from, really wants to set us free from our view of us. Because my idea of me can't come close to his idea of me. His idea of, of us is stunning. Ephesians uh, is a Ephesians one verses uh, three and four have become. Um, kind of a touchstone in my life because I was reading cha uh, chapter one one day and I was reading through the whole chapter and I had you know how sometimes you read the scripture and you read, you're reading and <laughs> you come to the end of it and you're going what did I just read <laughs> and I, I did that and uh, And the Lord just spoke, and he says, Art, read it again. He said, this time, I'm standing on the other side of the page. I'm standing in the place where the origin of that scripture was written down from. I'm looking at you with my loving eyes while you read this. And all of a sudden, the words on the page separated so that I had a, a window that opened up like a, like a vision. And here I am looking in the eyes of the Father, trying to read the scripture. <laughs> I didn't get too far. I got to about as far as verse three, well, one through four. And I had this encounter of the revelation of understanding that kind of eclipsed everything I was reading. I had more information than what was on the page. <laughs> the Lord was speaking to me in such a way that I was completely blown away by what he was saying and I was like messed up for a really long time. He was describing a relationship that was eternal internal. A relationship that he had with me before the world was formed. He was saying that you are significant. Before I formed the world, I had you in mind to be in Christ. He had a, a place 
a destination for me to be in that was foreplanned and foreordained for me to experience. He had in mind the indwelling Christ, the mystery that the Apostle Paul in Colossians uh, 20, 126 is describing that it's Christ in you, the mystery that's been hidden from ages and generations. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? And then not only that, but in Colossians 1.19, there's the descriptive word that describes that it pleased the Father for the fullness to indwell a son. So we have this picture of the fullness of the Father indwelling Jesus Christ in you and me. We're try I'm trying to describe a person, a human person that lives on this earth, that breathes like you and I do, who has problems like you and I have, who is living a life of being possessed by God. The whole earth is groaning and travailing in pain for men and women who are people who are possessed of God. That means that there's an interactive relationship between you and God, the indwelling God, the fullness of the Father, the Savior that is not the one that hangs on the cross, the Savior who is the King of Kings triumphant and the Lord of Lords triumphant indwelling you. where no principality, no power above heaven, under earth, going sideways or forwards or any direction, can withstand in you. Now that's a lion. That's a lion. That's who you are. Not tomorrow. Today. And you kind of might be looking at me, scratching your head, saying, are you crazy? <laughs> no, God is crazy. He chose us in Christ before he formed the world. He's crazy. He's crazy about inhabiting us with his fullness, if you can imagine. He's crazy about the very life of Christ indwelling us so that we're not just us, but we are a habitation of the divine being of God. 
Now that's crazy. <laughs> this is not a fantasy. This is a reality. Jesus Christ lived that crazy life. Jesus Christ had the fullness of the Father indwelling him. It pleased the Father to do that. He was a human man who had the fullness of the Father indwelling him. A human breathing, bleeding, a human being who, though he was God, chose to experience everything that you would and more so that he could be totally and completely identified with you. So there is no place in us that says God can't understand. The choice that he made to become you He made a choice to become you fully and completely. He even made a choice to embrace the sin of your whole life. The sin of your whole life. So you got to be him. You get to be the life of Jesus Christ because he destroyed the life of sin that you had the potential to have. Galatians Bible in basic English, Galatians 2.20, I have been put to death on the cross with Christ. Still I am living. No longer I, but Christ is living in me. Paul had a modern day understanding of what I just said. And the life which I now live, I am living in the flesh. I am living by faith 
the faith of the Son of God who is who in love for me gave himself up for me. Paul had this amazing understanding and he also had the experience of the transforming love of the Lord Jesus Christ that was changing him from who he thought he was to how God saw him, how God formed him to be. The man who has the concept of this is Paul. He all, it's said that he actually taught the other disciples about these concepts of the indwelling Christ. So one thing I wanted to do tonight was to give you a, give something to you that would help you to make a resolution that will help you to step into what I'm talking about. Because I'm talking about eternal concepts, eternal things that God is. God is eternal. And what I want you to get is that there is no goodness, no end to the goodness of God. There's only increase in the goodness of God. And since that's an eternal increase that has no end of increase, I would like everyone here that's in this room that can hear what I'm saying to make a resolution that I can never have an accusation against God. I want you to let that go as an option in your life. Right now. Since there is no end to the goodness of God, and before you could ever raise or have a question or have an accusation against God, you have to come to the end of that goodness. And since that's not possible, I want you to let go of that option right now. Lord, I choose to let go of the option of having an accusation against you. It can never happen because you can never come to the end of this goodness. That freed the room. it's not that hard the things that God wants to give to us is everything there's a concept that we may have because we live in this world that we believe because we live in this world and that is if I give you something it's gonna take something away from me right I give you something of mine well I've just given you what I have and we think in those terms but when God gives something away what's that like because we put God in that same box we think well if God gave everything about himself away what would be left 
except God lives in the law of increase. So when he gives something away, the law of increase kicks in. So what he's given away has no end of increase. So what does God lose by giving himself away? Nothing. Because what he gives away has no end of increase. If he gives you the fullness of the Father, does he lose anything in the exchange? <laughs> How is the whole earth going to be full, filled with his glory? Because he gives his fullness away to each unique person that will never cease to increase. The increase of his goodness, the increase of who he is, will never stop increasing. Wow. That's good news. <laughs> So who are you now? God has in mind for you to experience his fullness that has no end of increase. What does that do? Guess what? Because he's put you in this relationship where his fullness indwells you in a relationship where his son actively indwells you in a relationship where Holy Spirit indwells you in a relationship so that you have the perfection of the Father, you have the perfection of the Son, you have the perfection and harmony of the very fullness of the Godhead indwelling you, how is it that you're going to do anything wrong? How is it that every word you speak, everything you say, doesn't echo into eternity because of the increase that's embodied in the Godhead who's chosen to indwell you with everything. How is it that when you speak a word of healing that it isn't delivered? Because the delivery system is the Father. The delivery system is the Father. He's the one who is has all the authority. 
back up everything. The fullness of God is the source of everything. The fact that if you read Ephesians verse 2, it's describing the goodness of the Father. He's the initiator that initiated the idea of salvation. He's the one initiated for you to be chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. This loving father who has no end of increase of his love is the one that has your identity in mind before the whole world was formed. The uniqueness of who you are is by divine design. He made you to be an eternal being that carries everything about who he is so when someone sees you, they see the Father. Jesus was just stating the fact that when you see me, you see the Father. Guess who you are. I'm saying all of this because this is not just a hopeful message. This is not just, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if this was true? This is a reality. This is who God anticipates you to be. Now, you and I don't see ourselves like that. That's the catch. <laughs> you see, the catch is that my opinion of me is not God's opinion of me. And so we wrestle with our ideas of ourselves. And we fret over this and we worry about that and we have concerns God's not worried his plan is so brilliant that he's removed worry out of the equation he knows what is going to happen to cause you to step into this truth. Because he decided to give everything away as a gift. He decided to give you eternal life as a gift. No effort on your part. It doesn't even require your faith. You're looking at me like, 
you saying? I'm saying that the gift of the faith of God is his faith. Last time I checked the scripture, that's, that's fun, fundamental in the Protestant movement, by the way. It made, um, it started in the Lutheran movement and the man, the German man who discovered this was blown away it turned his whole world upside down because he read what Paul wrote and got it. Because he got the gift of the Father's faith to understand that. He got the gift of the Father's faith. What is your faith and my faith? Human faith is a collage of being able to believe and not believe, right? Built into human faith is believing and unbelieving. God's faith has the ability to believe everything is possible. His faith is the kind of faith that doesn't fail to believe. As a matter of fact, when I've really th thought about this, when Jesus points out to the people that are being healed, he says, your faith has made you whole. So we kind of think about that and go, wow, I, I really need to improve my faith. <laughs> I really need to get my faith up to par with, because I really want what that person got from Jesus. And what Jesus is really saying, you received the gift of my Father's faith. And your faith that you received has made you whole. That's really the meaning that your faith has made you whole because it wasn't their faith. It was that Jesus saw they had received the Father's faith, the yeah. gift of the Father's faith. That faith will produce what God wants to give you. So that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense that he wants to give us everything. 
And so in that transfer of that gift of faith to you, what did it take from you? What did God take from you to add to that to make it work? Nothing. The thing that's incredible about the faith of God, it's a package. It's a loaded package. The package of faith that comes as a gift from the Father includes the revelatory understanding and information that you need to uniquely have so that you understand what you're getting. So it carries with it the message that communicates to you uniquely and perfectly everything that you need to know without you having the ability to even reason it out for yourself. Suddenly you know. I still remember the day that I heard the gospel message for the very first time. I was 10 years old. I had heard the gospel message as a fuzzy noise for maybe a hundred times. Okay, I maybe heard a hundred more times growing up to be 10. Because when you live in a family that are preachers, you're going to hear the gospel message. And I still remember that what I was getting, it was like the minister was speaking directly to me alone. If everybody hadn't been there and I was there by myself, that's what it felt like. So God's faith has the ability to, to communicate in such a way that you're singled out and you're unique and you're special and you're important to God. Because what he's saying to you is so important that you can't miss it. And in that package of his gift includes the ability to convince you in such a way that fits you so uniquely and perfectly is there is only one option left. There's only a yes left. He takes unfair advantage of us <laughs> in making sure that we get the yes, yes. in the message. That's how good God is. I believe God is so good that all the people who died in Japan had an opportunity to hear the gospel message. You see, the God I know is better than I can ever think are better than I can ever ask. And we can't even know how God in his amazing grace knows how to stop time long enough to impart a message so that you know everything you need to know like that. 
And his love is so amazing and immense that you can't miss the yes part of the message. I am not putting down the fact that we live in a world that where there's huge human loss to life and there's there's devastation that happens in this world but God has given me a picture that gives me hope of his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his grace that his heart is that no one should perish. But everyone should come to have eternal life. Just recently, I revisited a place where the Lord had taken me in a vision. It's about four years or more ago that he took me in a vision where I was brought to the time where Jesus is hanging on the cross. And suddenly in the vision, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And it was surreal because his face was not marred as, you see, as is described in, in the text of the scripture. So his vision, vision, vision was not marred. His face was clear and I saw him eye to eye, face to face with incredible compassionate eyes I'm looking face to face at the high priest, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who's presiding over his own sacrifice. And in that place, I had the sense of knowing that this was just a short time before the very end where he was going to say it's finished. And so here I am. God making time for me. Looking at me, giving me a message. The message he gave me was, Art, you are more valuable to me than myself. I was so stunned by what he said. And his words pushed all my unworthiness buttons. All my unworthiness buttons caused me to speak out and say, no way. I uh, then heard a scripture flash in the back 
kind of resound in, in my mind out of the abundance of a heart the mouth speaks and then right after that were these amazing words from scripture while we were still sinners Christ died for us the simplicity of his love the simplicity of his gospel totally was blowing me away and I realized that later on maybe about three months ago the Lord took me back to that same place and I realized I had never resolved the unworthiness issues that I had the unworthiness issues I began to understand had paralyzed my ability to step in what I'm trying to talk to you about tonight when we come before a holy God because we our view of ourselves is from the standpoint of how we see ourselves an, an internal viewpoint looking outward we don't have this perspective of how do we how does God see us from the kingdom looking down and God sees us the way Jesus said, spoke to me you are more valuable to me than myself that's an, that's stunning and if that doesn't push your unworthiness buttons, nothing else can. Because you say, well, how can these things? The songwriter that says, how can it be that I should gain an entrance into the Savior's love? Who died for me? Who caused his pain? We were the cause of his pain. How can these things be? And yet, the God of heaven has chosen has chosen to make us his habitation his dwelling place his living temple somehow that doesn't fit my idea of me doesn't fit his opinion of who I am and how he sees me so as I went back to that same place again God had about three months ago he brought me back to that same place and he says art whatever I surround by my love I will transform by my love And I had to look at all of my unworthiness issues. And I didn't understand until after I prayed and the Lord began to open up to me how unworthiness has acted as a roadblock in my life. You 
see all the things that God wants to give away to all of us are being held back by something. And I believe they're really being held back by this false idea of piety that we are unworthy and only Jesus is worthy. The truth is the one who's worthy and has the highest place of value in the universe has decided to make you his worthy habitation. Are you in shock yet? So I took what the Lord was saying to me as a prayer model, and I, began, I said, Lord, I, uh, I choose to give you all my unworthiness issues that I know that I have. Also, I choose to give you all the unworthiness issues I know I can't know that I have. Because there are things that you're not even aware that's impacting your life, the way you live, because of unworthiness that you're not even aware that's there. So I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, I give it to you. Surround that with your love and transform it with your love. That was in the morning time. I was just getting ready to step into the shower. I step into the shower. I'm taking a shower. And all of a sudden, within two to three minutes time, I'm experiencing something happening. I saw without the ability even how to, to try to explain how I saw this, but I saw a hand reach down grab something in my back and I had the awareness that these were black roots being pulled out of my back. And I knew I had this knowing that I was being delivered. At the same time, simultaneously, I'd been suffering with diabetic neuropathy for two years, constant pain, not non-stop, constant pain. The pain was gone, like that. Wow. Not only that, but God had just opened my heart and mind to understand more of the mysteries of the gospel more of the mysteries of the message that I'm just sharing with you now. That's the point of my message. When I was preparing for this message, the Holy Spirit said, there is unworthiness in your life that you're not even aware that's stopping you. 
there are, there's music that you're supposed to write that's being stopped by unworthiness. There are books that are waiting to be written that's being stopped by unworthiness. There are people who can't have or receive wealth that God wants to give you because of unworthiness. There are jobs that have been lost due to not your inability to perform, but because you have unworthiness. There are homes that have been lost because of unworthiness. There are glass ceilings in your life because of unworthiness. There's the inability for you to be who you were really meant to be because of unworthiness has holding you back. And you can lose it right now. So I want you, I want to guide you in a prayer, which is really the same simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I choose to give you all my unworthiness. All the unworthiness that I know I have. and all the unworthiness I can't possibly know <laughs> that's impacting my life, that's put a hold on my progress, and has stymied my growth in your love. Jesus, come. Surround all of this issues of unworthiness, and transform them by your love. I, de I declare a blessing over you that you're no longer set up to shoot yourself down. I believe right now God's removing every block, every hindrance, everything that stopped you from progressing and where you need to go in him. I believe that you're going to experience everything that pertains to life and godliness in Christ. I release the revelation that you need to have to take you to where you're going in Jesus Christ. I release the boldness to believe God 
in the face of adversity that God laughs at. And you get to laugh along with him in it. I believe that God's releasing that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus because he is the indwelling Christ, the indwelling Father who has everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's the source of everything who indwells you. You're not going someplace on your own. You're going with the full backing of God. And everything you do and everything you say is the full backing of God. You don't need to worry about what other people say about you because if God says it, that's final. When he speaks to you, you hear his voice and another voice you will not follow. And when you listen to his voice and hear his voice and follow his voice, you will see the fruit of what it means to follow Jesus. Because you have unbroken communication with him, you have an interactive relationship with the fullness of who God is. The God that indwells you has chosen to act like God in you. Maybe you missed that. The God who indwells you has chosen to act like God in you because it doesn't take away from him to act like himself. So you get to be the real you, which is God acting like himself in you. That's called people who are possessed by God. It doesn't take anything away from God that you're possessed by God. How do you think the gospel is going to get preached in every niche and corner and cranny in the world? Because God's going to preach it. Using your body to hold his power. Using your body to be his resident source of delivery. The body of Christ is your body. The resident authority that is over every power and principality above earth and below earth in every direction you can think resides in you. The enemy doesn't have a shot. He can't bring on enough because the full authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has to face off with them and they are history the minute they see you know who you are. You see, the God that 
Moses said, I won't move unless you go before me, is the God that's in you going before you. You're not going anywhere without him going before you. He's already made a way where there seems to be no way because he knows the way. And it's not your problem. The gift of his faith is able to accomplish everything. What does this require of me? Then I get to agree with God. I get to say yes to his crazy notions. I get to experiencing watching what he will do because he's personally discipling me from the inside out. I don't have to be like the disciples who were discipled from the outside in. My personal helper my personal guide, my help that will lead me and guide me into all the directions that I need to have for my life is an internal interactive relationship that I don't need to worry if the power fails because I can't communicate. This is the life that God had in mind for us to have. We live in a place of interdependency. This is a family, internal family relationship, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you included. This was God's original picture of how you should look and how you should be. To have the whole earth filled with people who are like this means the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. There's a Lord's Prayer um, in one of the, the versions that says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That was one of my dad's favorite quotes. Beca because he had this concept that in earth meant here. That we are the earthly house that houses the very presence and glory of God. We're on a journey where he's taking us there. And part of the gift that he has been showing me is in Galatians 2.20. Because Paul says, you know, my old man is crucified with Christ. As the Lord has been helping me to make discoveries, he made, he, I had this amazing notion hit me. What if? 
what if God is so good that he decided to make it so I can't strive to be like Jesus? What if God is so good that he decided that Jesus was going to live his life to be something that was going to be given away? What if the life of Christ was meant to be a gift? What if faith of Jesus was perfected in his life to the point that he went to the cross and then after he went to the cross rose again to the Father to present what he had accomplished to the Father so that his faith became the same as the Father's faith. That his faith was a perfected faith that could be given away as a gift. What if that the gift of the faith of Jesus produces the life of Jesus? As I begin to look at Galatians 2.20, that begin to emerge that's exactly what Paul is talking about because he's describing this life I've been put to death on the cross with Christ still I'm living the you that you believe you are was intended to be put on the cross with Christ. So that persona of who you believe you are is not really you. People struggle with the idea, the concept of who they are. That was meant to be put on, on the cross because God had a better thing for you to have. That you live but now it's the life of Christ that's living in you. And how does the life of Christ live in you? By the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God is the faith of Jesus. It's not your faith in Jesus, it's his faith that causes the life of Christ in you to live. Are you getting this? So the gift of the faith of Jesus produces the life of Christ as a gift. You don't have to strive to be like Jesus. God is so good that what transformed the early church 
is available to us as a gift. The life of Jesus is nothing I can produce. It's what his faith produces in you. When you receive Jesus Christ, you have the gift of eternal life, and that's for all time. It's not conditional. Conditional faith means I have to do something along with God, and together we've accomplished something. No, the gift of faith of the Father produces eternal life once and for all time. It's done, it's finished. You have eternal life. What happened to your character in all of this? This is how God deals with your character. Your character is perfected in the gift of the life of Christ. Jesus became perfect through the things he suffered. He's already been there before you. He's gone ahead of you. And he knows how to cause your character to be his character without any effort on your part. Now, I put this to the test. I said, okay, Art, you got to be the first partaker of this. If what you're saying is really real, then you got to put it to the test. So what I did is I used the same prayer model I said, Jesus, I want the gift of your faith that will produce the life of Jesus Christ. That was the prayer. The next day, I was going, doing an ordinary thing. I had to go make a bank deposit. Went to the bank. On my way back, I was on the very first person in the intersection and in Pleasant Hill where we live, close to where we live, if you block the intersection, it's like close to $380 fine. So you can't move forward. <laughs> it's a catch-22 if you do. So I'm waiting patiently. The traffic on the other side hadn't moved yet and suddenly they started moving. As I was preparing to, to go forward in the traffic, a guy on my right-hand side revved up, cut in front of me, and took my spot. Got across the intersection before me. To say the least, I was upset. <laughs> you, you, what you do? Immediately, within 30 seconds, I heard the voice of Jesus. And he said to me, Art, you have injustice issues. And I was going, whoa. And I said, yeah, because all of a sudden stuff kept zooming forward in my mind from experiences in my life where I I realized that injustice was a familiar place in my life. So I said, okay, Lord, you told me that whatever you can surround by your love, you will transform by your love. 
so I said, Lord, I, I give you my injustice issues. All that I know and am consciously aware of that I have, and all the ones I know I can't even recall. I know they're there somewhere. I give them all to you, Lord. Now surround those with your love and transform them by your love. It was amazing. I've been doing this now on a regular basis because that first week alone, I had four major issues that the Lord pointed out. And each time he would tell me these things, I would just do the same thing. Okay, Lord, you transform it. It's not my problem. It's yours. You're the author and finisher of me. You're the one that is going to produce your life in me. Because there's going to be a, t a point in time where my bu buttons get pushed and I'm going to be able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's going to be a time when I'm going to hear the voice of Jesus <laughs> and not me. Now that's very practical, but that's, I believe that that's the step, the next step in a, on our journey to experiencing what I'm talking about. So I've shared that with you all for the purpose of having the opportunity to just walk this daily out in your lives so that you can let go of all the stuff. And God's going to take you very carefully and gently through. And all the issues that you have in your life that you're not even aware that's holding you back from who he wants you to be. You're going to experience deliverance. You're going to experience healing. You're going to know God in a new way. You're going to know him as your best friend. And he's going to actually call you his best friend. Because the life that he fully wants us to have is in a friendship relationship with him. His, Jesus' disciples were told, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. The invitation to what God has in mind for us is this amazing place of friendship and value, being valued by God. And the, the greatest value is that you are people who are possessed by God. That you've come to find the promised land. You see, the Israelites were w circled around for 40 years in the wilderness and the goal was to get to the promised land. What I'm describing is the ultimate promised land. The ultimate promised land is the God indwelling you, that you are his habitation, 
the land flowing with milk and honey is the full inheritance of his manifest love in your life that can't help but get outside of you to others. God who gives everything away will only cause what he gives away to increase. And that's what you can anticipate happening in your life in this awesome, wonderful adventure that he has for us. And it's so 